This is the OHL in 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Another weekend in the books and another exciting weekend. Uh, we should say some new hardware for Mr. Ward and I. Uh, yeah. Couple, couple, well, more than a couple. Four new banners to the rafters at First Ontario Center. And actually just an all-around good weekend of hockey in the Ontario Hockey League. We saw a, saw a lot of really good individual efforts and a lot of good goaltending. Uh, oh. Colin Ward's always fired up about that former goaltender. So love the goaltending. I'm sure we're gonna touch on that. Um, yeah, no, that's where we're gonna start. Featured game, Oshawa Generals, Hamilton Bulldogs. Might as well get right into it. Here off the top, that uh, was a five-three final for the home side. Hamilton Bulldogs. Colin Ward was one goal off, and Oshawa had pulled their goal. Yeah, pulled Patrick Lever near the end. I go, Wardy, you're one goal away from predicting the score of this game. And the crazy and part, they just couldn't get it done. Couldn't score in the empty net. Yeah, and the crazy thing was last year I said five three, all the time, and then this year I went six three, no six two, no yeah six three. Yeah, you went six three, yeah. And yeah, I finished one away. So maybe I gotta go back to the five three. But yeah, I was close, and uh, we're having fun with that in the press box. I've been yeah. better at home in Hamilton. I've been better on for yeah. road. On the road, I haven't been good. It's been wild. No, game been game off. six was... I think you had the reverse. You had Hamilton winning. You had the right score. You just had the wrong team winning. I think I said five or 6-3, and it was Windsor 6-3. Something like that, yeah. Yeah, it was the opposite. But, yeah, it was a... I'm way off on the road, but at home, I'm good. Attaboy. Attaboy. <laughs> uh, yeah, let, let's start with the, the pregame. Let's start with the ceremony. Um Probably Wardy went what twenty five minutes, roughly twenty five minutes. <laughs> that was long ceremony. Yeah, it was. It was a long night. Finished off at you know dubs, which was good, but um, never a bad moment there. It, but yeah, no, it was. Uh, it, it was a cool ceremony, and there were five thousand fans in the building. At least five thousand fans in First yeah. Ontario Center. So all the rings were handed out. We can tell you that. But uh, <laughs> yeah, just all around that ceremony was was pretty cool. And shout out to the Bulldogs for having some, I don't know what the right word for this is, but having banners with team colors. Uh, they yes, switched it up. You trend. saw you saw Windsor. They raised just the, you know, the white banners that the Ontario Hockey League hands out. But, uh, you know, there's a little bit of controversy there with a certain team. lacrosse team having banners that are probably way too big. Yeah, Actually, crazy. definitely way too big. But, uh, yeah, little... so Hamilton matched that. Their banners are now yellow and black. And, and that, that they even switched the ones up from 2018. Those are now yellow and black as well. So uh, that that's pretty cool to see. I mean, I hope more teams do that because I think that's really cool. You see, of course, being Wings fans, you see all the red and white banners up up in the rafters, right? Uh, it's just not it, a lot of... it, it's better. It's better than just again. No offense to the OHL. It's better than just the generic white ones that you get handed um, yeah, at the bigger, end bigger. of the year in the meetings. So. Yeah, for sure. I mean, those look sharp. And it was a really good ceremony as well. It was a long ceremony. I mean, I think it was a quarter to eight start. I think 7.45 start, and the game is supposed to go to, at seven, I think. I think seven, they took the ice or something like that, Hamilton. But, yeah, it was a long ceremony. Um, it was cool going down by the Zamboni door. Mm-hmm. And uh, certain referee officials that were down there that you yeah, like. You, uh, yeah, you were uh, chatting it up with Mr. Darcy Birchall, Colin. You know what? It would have been well. The fans were getting mad because it was taking forever, so it would have been a fun. It would have been a fun time to see that one while sort of those games. 
but yeah good time um really cool experience down there at ice level the experience at that up close like that got some really good pictures as well uh for the social media at the Ambertown pod so that was cool yeah and uh it was really nice we kind of were talking about this before Colin. Oh, I think Steve Stales is here. I think Edmonton gave him a yeah, lead. I didn't think, think, he think he's good to go. Yeah, Steve Stales was there at the game. Uh, him and Michael nice Lauer handing out the rings. Yeah, Steve Stales had a really good speech. Like that was just to have those two at center ice handing out the rings. They were behind the trophies. It was it was cool. And the fact that Steve was able to be there for that uh, made it even better because you know he's the one that put this group together. He's the one that got Mason McTavish. He's the one that was general manager of the year uh, for a reason so uh yeah, yeah it was it was nice that he was able to step away from the oilers for a day or two to get to hamilton for that yeah for sure especially the busy time right now in the national hockey league with the waiver claims and stuff but yeah as an advisor he might be in the scouting side coming as a gm from the ontario hockey league so that's exciting for him and yeah really good speech um hamilton just does everything right and uh mm-hmm. we expected a good ceremony and there was a really good ceremony so good for them and it was a really good time yeah, if you were one of the five thousand fans to get a ring, uh, you're lucky because it's that, that was that was worth the wait. The lineup we got to the rink at quarter to five, I think it was after we got our Starbucks. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like quarter to five. By the way, Colin Ward still orders like it's just Tim Hortons. Yeah, I'll have a medium hot chocolate. Yeah, yeah. I'm not a big I'm not a big coffee guy because when I get coffee, I won't sleep because of the caffeine. Yeah. So I'm not a big coffee guy. I don't really need caffeine. The Windsor trip I did. Yeah. I needed it then. Only when we have late trips home from hockey games, then I then I'll have a coffee, but not too often. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean fans were lined up. I think there were maybe 100, 200 people in line when we got to the to the arena at quarter to five. And then yeah. you know, you saw the social media video uh, tweeted out or Instagrammed corner. out. Maybe you want to call it whatever the right word is. Uh, by the Hamilton Bulldogs, it was there were a few thousand people lined up, like waiting, ready to go. They wanted the rings really badly, and it was worth it because they're really nice. But yeah, there the fact that we saw those lineups were that was that was pretty sweet. Oh, big time! It's so good for the league. I mean, I hope other owners follow suit. Whoever the next champion is in the Ontario Hockey League, make sure you get in on that for your fan base and stuff because that's a that's a nice giveaway. I think that's the biggest giveaway I've saw. Mm-hmm. From an OHL franchise. I don't think I've saw it, especially financially. I mean, those are expensive rings. Those are nice. And yeah, I don't think I've saw a more a bigger giveaway in the Ontario Hockey League than that. Yeah, and the Bulldogs are gonna do it back to back. You give away rings opening night, and then it's free magnet schedule night uh this Sunday against the London Knights. So yeah, yeah they're 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 helping out the fans. They were definitely there in the playoffs last year, and they're they're showing their appreciation for sure. That just yeah le- leads us into the game, and it was a really good game uh, on the ice once everything uh, got got started uh, done with. Yeah, once it got started. But uh, again, five three Hamilton wins it. Uh, shots on goal. Oshawa actually had the upper hand in that, and by one twenty six to twenty five. Final shots on goal. Face off dot. Oshawa controlled that as well. They won thirty six face offs. Hamilton only with twenty five face off wins. Uh, power play. Each team had one power play goal. The difference, Oshawa one for one. Hamilton was one for five, despite the Bulldogs coming out on top. Anyways, uh, quickly run through the scoring summary for you here, and then we'll kind of get into uh, what happened, what we saw. 
So getting things started, Avery Hayes, what a night this man had. Uh, we'll oh. go in depth about what we thought about him. Uh, 344 into the first period from Ryan Humphrey, Logan Morrison, one nothing Bulldogs. And the lone power play goal for the Bulldogs would come midway through the first, 10-51 to be exact. Avery Hayes, goal number two on the night, three on the season. Uh, Logan Morrison and Artem Grushnikov getting the assists on that one. Now before the period was over, about a minute 35 left to play. Ryan Gagne gets his second goal of the season. Leighton Moore, Stuart Roloff's getting the assists. To the second, Oshawa would actually come back to tie it. Stuart Roloff's, who ended up being the third star in the game, uh, he ended up tying it with his third of the year, Beckett Seneke, uh, with the lone assist. But the Bulldogs would respond right away. And by right away, I mean 22 seconds later. Uh, Cole Brown, his third of the year. Patrick Thomas, Merrick Van Acker. That was an extra assist that was added on at the start of the third period. So that made it 3-2 Bulldogs at the time. And that's where it was after 40 minutes of play. Into the third period, 647 in Beckett Seneke uh, with his third of the year. Callum Ritchie, nice Thomas player. Stewart uh, getting the assist. Yeah, he easily could have been in conversation for that third star as well, for sure. 3-3 uh, at the time. Then within three minutes, about 2.56 later, Avery Hayes, his hat-trick goal, fourth of the season. Logan Morrison gets the assist, uh, 4-3 Bulldogs, and then they would just get one more and ride the wave to victory. Patrick Thomas getting the final goal of the night. Van Acker getting his they second pass. assist of the evening. Van Vliet. Uh, getting that secondary assist, 11.33, the time of that goal. And 5-3 Bulldogs, and calling a lot to take away from this game. We can look at both sides and say there are a lot of positives. Um, obviously, one for five you could look at as a negative for the Bulldogs. But I think one thing we both noticed during that power play was there was no problem at all moving the puck. There was no problem at all finding guys who were open along the far side, exactly. open up in the slot. They just couldn't convert. The puck movement was like second level. Um, yeah. And just takes us back to the playoffs last year, how good they were on the power play. This is mirroring it. Um, a little less talent, of course, no McTavish, but um still got two yeah, the, guys though. Yeah, the movement the movement on that power play is nothing like it, it's fine. It's early in the year. You're gonna start to score when you move the puck like that. Yeah, Hamilton still has two out of the three top guys there from that power play. I mean, obviously Mason mm-hmm. McTavish was big, but Logan Morris and playoff MVP and Avery Hayes, a 40 goal scorer, right? So that's big. Yeah. And those two just find the ice so well and also Patrick Thomas is going to have a big year for the Bulldogs so will Cole Brown I thought that line looked really good Thomas Brown and Van Acker I mean Van Acker that could have been that probably so far through two weeks the two top two in the top five rookies right now in the Ontario Hockey League were in that game Seneke and Van Acker mm-hmm. Seneke six points in like four games oh five games six points in five games for Seneke that's a good start. You'll take that as a 16 from your 16 year old of an Acker four and four. So good starts for those young guys around the Ontario hockey league, especially for those two. Um, one note was that top line for Oshawa there. They are big. It does advertise. Mm-hmm. I thought, I thought rubric looked really good. I thought that was the best game. I saw rubric play in a while. Um, there were some struggles in Niagara, but I thought he looked really good on that top line. So that's nice to see um, out of Dylan rubric. Uh, Cameron Butler, and then um, obviously with the big guy, Callum Ritchie, mm-hmm. on that top line. But the big one to me is how can that second line do with Roloffs, Gagne, 
that's a big one there. You got to see the Oshawa needs those guys to perform. If those guys can perform, Oshawa has a pretty solid top six. If that top line can keep continuing like they are or have been, they'll have a solid team for sure. I mean, Lever's going to keep the puck out of the net. Patrick Lever and Marco Costantini both made saves that were goals. That were goal, like great. They made those saves, so that was big to see. Costantini had like three or four in the first period. At the mm-hmm. end of the first, there when Oshawa had momentum, Costantini batted the puck out. It looked like off the knob of a stick. Like I don't know how that didn't go in. Reach. We said you said before we went on air about how the rebounds weren't there for Costantini, but he was able to stop those bad rebounds that he gave away, which is big to make up for. And then Patrick Lever, I thought, was very calm in the net. Um, I thought he was well positioned. The goals that went in, I don't think he could have did much about. And uh, I thought both goaltenders played really well. They made those extra saves, which is big. Unfortunately, one team had to come out of the short end of the stick in this one. Yeah. Yeah, you couldn't have said a better, Wardy. I thought both goaltenders were good as well. And just just an overall, it was a competitive game, right? Both yeah. teams coming off of a road game. Obviously, Oshawa still Spirited. on the road, but Oshawa coming off a win in Niagara, Hamilton coming off a win uh, in the Owen Sound, and Reed Duffy saying, "Yeah, I walked in my front door at two o'clock in the morning." Yeah, uh, so I don't he know. He does not That's live early. right in Hamilton, but um, yeah, he two o'clock in the morning for him. Oshawa, you would have to think they probably stayed in Hamilton. That wouldn't make a whole lot of sense to drive to or Oshawa Niagara. after Niagara, and then you would have to drive back literally the same day to Hamilton it's just half an hour closer than Niagara was so obviously a little bit easier travel for them but uh, Bulldogs felt very comfortable at home they played well as we know they do at home and bearded yeah it was for for two teams that played the night before I thought it was very competitive I thought it was fast at times you saw it slow down a bit you know stoppages and play were back to back to back to back but overall just Oh yeah, yeah. Right. Officiating for the officiating yeah. crew, the penalties were low. It was a good, it yeah. was a well officiated game. Yeah, you're not wrong about that. Um, but yeah, no, I I enjoyed it. First one of the year at First Ontario Center for us and for the Bulldogs. So it was yeah. good and uh, spirited. Yeah, more, hey, more to come. You know, you know what also really caught my eye was, and I just want to mention this: the Bulldogs are a tough team. This is kind of a stat of the day: ninety-eight penalty minutes. 98 penalty minutes already. Like, I'm telling you right now, fans. Hey, hang on, Colin. We got to do that. We got to do this properly. We got to do this properly. Colin Ward's stat of the day is brought to you by five free wings after Bulldogs hey, we score five those. goals, even though we got six. Shout out to not being able to count. We're, <laughs> we're big fans of that. Big time. Yeah. Big time. But yeah, two penalty minutes away from 100 penalty minutes already. That's got to be the quickest team to 100 penalty minutes like this is old school like this is old school hockey so much for fighting going away from the ohl i think the bulldogs have eight fights in the four games they've played so so you much gotta spread it out colin you just gotta spread it out yeah i mean florian jack guy with blake smith there were some big ones nor nor roberts and jordan Ertle. there were a few big ones in that game too it's a rough spirited game and i mean mm-hmm. oshawa's a throwback team too right oshawa naturally because they're big and they have a past where when late in games, they can throw the body around a little bit and play that spirited game. They don't go down easy. So those are two teams that play hard. They play the right way. So you knew it was going to come and knew it was going to be a rough game. But this could be a fun matchup throughout the season when these two teams play head-to-head just because how tough these teams are and how physical they are. 
and they're just mentally draining to play against and physically draining to play against those teams when you're tough like that. So that was one thing that caught my eye too. Then obviously the Cameron Butler hit on Ryan Humphrey late in the game. There hasn't been any discipline to um, rule yet on that. I don't think there will be, but to see a 16 year old Merrick Van Hacker get in there, Delhi native, obviously. So there's going to be a little bias in there. But... Yeah, that, yeah, but those penalties didn't make a whole lot of sense. Van Acker standing up, yeah, you get yeah. two for roughing, but but Butler puts Humphrey into the boards from behind. You never got. Oh, uh, that's roughing as well. What? Yeah, but what about their? Re- that's not yeah, roughing. So what about the after the whistle? What about the situation with Van Acker? Yeah. I, was, I thought it was going to be a two, two, and then a two on Hamilton side. Hamilton had the power play out of it, but it was four yeah. on four. They took them both. I guess I that's all, the okay. situation, but yeah, I guess that's all they did was take those roughing miners after the hit actually happened, and they didn't actually call the hit. Which I is think Jay McKee was upset about that. But... Yeah, because why was there a situation in the first place? Why is a sixteen-year-old yeah. going to go after an O two? Oh, what? You know, like you never see that. So that was yeah. kind of an interesting situation there. But it was a well-officiated game, in my opinion. I thought it was a well-officiated game. Um, wasn't a lot of things to. Struck my eyes, I guess I could say, from the officials. So that's good. That's good to see, right? When you have mm. officials are like defensemen. The less you hear about them, the better they are. So that's a good situation for them, I guess. And uh, yeah, good hockey game, good atmosphere. Nothing much you can ask for. It. Mm-hmm. Oh, and that was the other question too that we had. We kind of mentioned it off the top about the power play. Um, just didn't dive into it. So. There was a few five-minute power plays throughout the OHL, I guess, in general this past weekend, Reese. And, like, what is a successful five-minute power play? So you have a major power play here. What's a successful power play? Do you have – obviously, I believe one at least one goal is successful. You could have one goal on the power play and really move the puck around like Hamilton did and have no cigar in this game. Or you can – score three or four on the power play, which is very rare to score four, but you know what I mean? Like, I think if you score two, it's a perfect power play. Uh, yeah. uh, take one, but as long as you move the puck around that possession, I think it one's enough, but. Yeah, because, I mean, a lot of people are going to reference, oh, I think if you have a successful five-minute power play as the San Jose Sharks did against the Vegas Golden Knights in the playoffs exactly. a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah, you really want to be there. Yeah, that's not going to happen every time. That's rare. Um, I To me, I think two. I think you take two goals out of that. All right, we're good. Whether or not you score those in the first two minutes or the last two minutes of that yeah. five-minute power play. I think if you get two, you have to get one. I feel like you have to get one. Yeah, Even though it's one. still five on four, I feel like you have enough time to be able to set up at least five times and yeah. try and get something going. So I feel like, one, you have to, but it's in terms of successful, um, yeah, I would, I would have to say two. One, you take it as, oh, okay. We got a power play yeah. we scored. Cool. What one? But, yeah. If, if you have a five minute power play, you have to score at least one. Yeah. I feel like if you score one at like two, let's say you have two thirty four left on the power play and you score a goal, so then you have a two minute and thirty four second power play continuing here. If you move the puck well for that two minutes and thirty four seconds, and you have scoring chances, mm-hmm. create which is big, right? You got to create chances on the power play. That's a big one because that leads to goals. Yeah, but and that's the thing. The chances. goalies are going to rob you too sometimes, right? There's Sometimes exactly. you can't do anything about it. Just the goalie was good. but Exactly, because Lever made some big saves on that Hamilton power play. Then I forget the other game that I watched. <sighs> watched a bunch of games on the weekend. I'm forgetting the one on the Friday night. There's a five-minute major, and the team only got one. 
but they moved the puck around very well. And just there was save after save, and I'm drawing a blank on the game. It'll come back to me after the break. It'll come back to me after the break. It's a problem when you watch about 10 games on a weekend, you forget stuff. But Mm -hmm. that that just caught my eye on the weekend over the weekend just to see power play percentages with five minute on a five minute power play and just see how it goes because uh, results, the scoring seems down on it, but as long as you're getting chances, I still think it's successful, but two would be a good power play, right? Yeah. That's what I think too. I agree. Um, by the way, the next closest team to the Hamilton Bulldogs in penalty minutes, the Sioux Greyhounds have 91, but they've also played two more games. <laughs> still, so, that's a lot. I just I had wonder... to point that out before we had to break. Yeah, for sure. That's it's wild. Like, that's actually crazy to think how much the penalties are up for some of these teams. And hey, I'm not complaining. I mean, Reese, we're both old school hockey fans. So, hey, let's see how tough it is. Um, obviously, player safety is big. Like, we're not making light of that at all. But um, it's nice to see teams, the spirit out of these kids playing hard. And there were some guys that left the league last year that we thought it would go down, right? And it's actually up this year, which is something. So, hey, it's interesting. There's still a jack eye in the league. Yeah, and he's <laughs> tough to play against. He might be the yeah. ringleader. You should have heard the ovation he got when he came onto the ice. All you yeah. hear is Aaron Walsh just emphasized jack eye, and the whole building just exploded. They like they got loud for the, yeah. for a jack eye. So that was that was good. Obviously, hometown that helps, but. Um, yeah, no, it was a good night overall. I think we pretty much covered that. 5-3, Hamilton takes it in their home opener over the Oshawa Generals. Time for a break, though. When we come back, we run through the headlines from the past week, and NHL rosters have been finalized. Which OHLers made their first NHL roster this season? We'll tell you that next here on the OHL in 60 podcast. Welcome back to the OHL and 60 podcast. I'm Reese Domaney along with Colin Ward. Make sure you follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at the OHL and 60 podcast or keep you up to date on all the news and notes around the league as well as our featured game of the week, which is always very entertaining. Again, uh, at the OHL and 60 podcast, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and Instagram. Segment number two, run through the headlines from this past week, and we're going to start up in Barry, Dale Howard, Chuck, uh, honored before the Colts game this past weekend. Uh, it was very good. If you haven't watched the video, it's on OHL.com. Recommend you watch it. It was pretty good. We talked about how good the ceremony was in Hamilton for our, the championship hardware and the banners. Uh, this was a very, very good ceremony as well before the Colts hit the ice on the weekend. Yeah, big time Saturday night. Really, the banner looks really sharp too. I like- yeah, it does. I like Barry, the Barry banners that they have up in the rafters. They're very good. Um, like there's a few around the league of the retired jerseys and stuff and the tribute banners around. Those are sharp. Kitchener's are sharp. Yeah. Um, I know we talked about the banners that the Bulldogs had last, uh, last segment, but Barry does a good job with the tribute banners. They look sharp in there and, uh, yeah, very good. And, this is something that's been two, three years in the makings, right? Yeah. Howard Chuck Knight, and you knew it was going to be an important night in Barry. Obviously, it wasn't the result the Colts wanted on the ice, losing 5 nothing to the Peterborough Pete Saturday mm-hmm. evening, but 
very nice ceremony. Um, it was cool to see all the Howard Chuck jerseys in the crowd, uh, as expected. And yeah, very cool. And uh, yeah, well done by the Barry Colts. Other new news and notes from around the league, really not a whole lot um, in terms of headlines, I guess you could say. Um, you know, obviously opening night rosters, uh, we'll talk about that, OHLers uh, who made opening night rosters in the NHL. Uh, we might as well touch on this now, Colin. Um, the Kitchener Rangers and London Knights, huh. zero points through the first two weekends. Uh, we'll Start with the Rangers because I saw an interesting article that Josh Brown wrote uh, over yeah. the weekend. Or following, I think it was following their loss in Kingston, uh, where they actually Sunday. led at, at one point. Yeah, Sunday uh, in Kingston led two to one, ended up losing the five two. I think it was um, yeah. on the road. And he just basically goes on to say that uh, whether or not how much you read into this, I don't want to. I'll take jabs at anyone or make anyone look bad about this. But essentially the article goes on to say that guys just haven't bought in yet. Uh, they haven't bought into the new system in Kitchener. They haven't really, um, you know, worked as a team yet. And that's what Josh writes about. And it's actually really interesting. If you want to go check it out, Josh Brown, yeah, very tweeted it out. retweeted it personally. Um, yeah. It's, it's really interesting. Guys are really going off and doing their own thing. And it, it, it looked just like hasn't it been Sunday. a system yet. They haven't worked together as a unit. And for someone that has Kitchener doing a lot of damage in the Ontario Hockey League this year, uh, they need to pick it up or else I look like an idiot because there's a lot of there's a lot of experience on this team. There's a lot of talent on this team. They just haven't figured it out, figured out how to mesh together and work together early on in the season. It's kind of frustrating if you're a Rangers fan, definitely frustrating if you're in the front office, but uh, they got to pick it up really quickly. And uh, it's it, it's unfortunate because London Kitchener, two of the most storied franchises in the Ontario yeah. Hockey League, a lot of history, uh, especially in Kitchener at the odd. They gotta they gotta get going. It's it, well, Kitchener, still early, but they gotta get going. Sunday Kitchener looked terrible. Um, it was a bad game, but Kitchener's notoriously kind of had laws throughout the season. They'll go mm-hmm. win about 10, 15 games in a row and go on a massive streak. We've saw that in the last couple seasons now out of Kitchener where they'll go and make a run Sunday against Kingston looked really bad. Um, defense in the defensive end, they were on their heels. They gave Kingston so much space up top on the point. Reese, it was bad. Um, and any, and they kind of backed up onto their goaltender, Jackson Parsons, obviously with the goaltending situation of Vandenberg getting going hurt. They're running an e-bug right now as a backup. So you only have one guy and obviously on the road trip. Now they'll have two coming back home, but that's a situation there where there's where they're eighth in goals scored in the Western Conference. They have eleven goals scored right now in four games. Not enough, obviously, but they're giving up twenty. That's seventh in the West for most goals given up. So right now they're not where they want to be. Um, new coach. It was kind of interesting, right? Because I know with the coach, and it's not a knock on Chris Dennis at all, but we all thought maybe Dennis Weidman would get the turn, and maybe because the players seem to respect that coaching staff their last couple seasons with Weidman mm-hmm. joining the staff, and then. Us with McKenzie being the head coach, it seemed like the players really bought into that message. And we saw McKenzie took over as the head coach originally pre COVID when the Rangers went on that big run. And it sounded like, and it really looked like the players really bought into that system and they're just having a tough time adjust right now. And that could be the now those young players from that team, now older players from that team, not really having eye to eye with the new system because they're not used to that system and they're kids, right? 
And sometimes there's some stubborn issues in that situation. Maybe that's going on right now. Um, maybe they don't trust the system. Maybe there's some trust in factor there, right? Where the players don't quite trust it yet because trust in a coach is massive. When you're a player and you have tr- don't have trust in your coach, that's a long year. That's mm-hmm. tough. That's tough to have success, right? I mean, we've yeah, all we're looking at we're looking at a situation again, right? Yeah, from last year. Yeah, like there's and you're constantly looking over your shoulder and you're like, I don't agree with this, but I have to do it or yeah. I'm not gonna do it. Honestly, Sunday against Kingston didn't look good for Kitchener. It was just on their heels offensively. It looked like they were just doing what they wanted to do. Um, they're it wasn't like they were for each other yet. And that's a situation where maybe, and I guarantee you there's going to be a lot of players only meetings. Now when that article comes out, there's going to be meetings because now everybody knows. And the one thing is about Kitchener. And we saw this last season when they went on that low, the fans get on you quick. They get on you quick there. It can be a tough place to play. London's like that too. London's not really used to this, but it can be a tough place to play. And I am, I have more confidence in Kitchener getting out of this. I'm not too worried yet. Obviously, mm-hmm. if we're speaking next week at this time and they're 0-6, if they, if they even play two games, I haven't looked at their schedule yet. But if they're like if they don't have a win by next week, three weeks into the season, that's dangerous because I get the 10, 15 games. You don't want to be too far out of it, or then you got the eerie situation from last year where it doesn't matter how good you play down the stretch, you're not going to get those points back. And that's mm-hmm. a situation there where I think Kitchener. It's got to get in the system more, a lot of video, a lot of hands-on situation. And they had a practice last week. Remember after the first week, they had a practice where it was a real hands-on game situation. When you hear game situations, well, that might mean that the players don't know the system, right? Because they're going to try to do it in game situations. And maybe when the game moves fast, the system just bails on them. They go back to just playing shinny hockey because the system's too complicated. Maybe they got to slow the system down. There's been, I remember playing, I remember playing in a couple systems where you look at it and it's like, okay, we do all this in practice, right? You go over three or four things in practice and it's just too much in the game. The game goes so quick. There's so much going on. And all of a sudden I don't have time to do this. Like you go back to your old habits. Maybe that's the thing. So be interesting. I'm going to watch more video on Kitchener throughout their first couple of games here because Sunday didn't look good. And uh, yeah, I want to see what, what goes on, but I, I would imagine it's one of those situations where the system's too complicated for early on in the season, maybe. Mm-hmm. And when you have a new head coach come into town, that can be the problem. That can be a problem because you got so much on your mind, right? You're thinking all summer yeah. about the situation. You hear all the things that were going to be so good. Maybe that's a thing. You got too much going on. It's like in baseball, right? I'm going to throw this pitcher, but this pitcher throw, goes in, in the second inning and he gives up five runs. All of a sudden I get the bullpen going, I don't have a plan B. Maybe that's the situation. A rookie head coach, coming in to a tough environment, tough environment in Kitchener, maybe that plan A isn't going, it's too complicated. And hey, I'm I'm experiencing that right now with the Denver Broncos with their offense. So I think it's one of those situations where it's just too complicated right now. Maybe simplify things. Because when I hear they're having a game situation practice, that must mean they want to speed it up. When they get into the games in the first week, they're just bailing away from the system because it's just too complicated mm-hmm. and there's just too much going on in that system and there's too many fine details in there. And, hey, keep it simple. Keep it simple. And maybe it's not that way right now for the players. So that's one thing that really stands out to me about why they 
didn't have a successful game on Sunday against Kingston Frontenacs, but we'll see what happens this week for them because they they got to bounce back. If they don't have a win this week, they'll be in trouble. Yeah, yeah. Kitchen Rangers 0 for 5 on the power play in Kingston. Kingston Frontenacs yeah. were 3 for 5, uh, so that tells you kind of where it was at, and it was a three-goal differential in the game. 5-2 to two was the final score for the Kingston Frontenacs. We'll switch yeah. Colin to the <laughs> London Knights. Yeah, well, and it's what are we? What's going on in Hunterland? What 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 is happening? Oh. London Knights zero and three to start the year. Yeah, it's three games. Okay, whatever. But four goals in three games is not even close. Terrible to being good enough to win and compete to be even in the playoffs in the Ontario yeah. Hockey League, especially in the Western Conference and in the Midwest yeah, Division the bottom two in the league. Yeah, Dude, that's it's that's bottom two. Yeah, you've given up less than ten, so you're doing a pr- pretty decent job keeping the puck out of your net and away from your net. You just can't put it in the net that's two hundred feet away from your own, and yeah. it's you know you can look at a lot of different factors about what's happening. It's not the defense, not the goaltending, but but who who scores goals on this team, Colin? Like both <laughs> you and I were. Yeah. mind-boggled about who are you going to rely on evangelist is not here anymore strong just isn't here anymore who that is going to score question. for the london knights so here's the thing right with with teams so when you look at teams that win they score a certain amount of goals so i'm going to look up from last year the regular season the hamilton bulldogs top team in the ontario hockey league they scored 300 goals. The Winter Spitfire scored 305 goals. Those are the only two teams in the Ontario Hockey League that scored 300 goals. Next was Sioux St. Marie Greyhounds. Or no, Sioux scored 246. Anyways, for that, yeah, 295 was Sioux. They were the next closest. So to get into the 300s is very rare to be a good team. Right now, I think London... At this pace, last year they scored 264 goals. You get rid of that. I mean, right now you're looking at 228 last year for Niagara. You're looking at that 240 ballpark, 250 goals, and that's not nearly enough. That's sixth to eighth place in the conference. Um, they're they're on pace to have a really good, really good year defensively. Obviously, with the yeah. success they have, and they have a good blue line, but. And good goaltending, but it's going to be interesting to see what happens. And it's not a good look right now. I mean, their top point guy right now has one goal, obviously two points, Sean McGurn. But then other than that, do you really see anybody that's going to light up the score sheet, right? Obviously, they expect a lot out of Denver Barkey, but Denver Barkey's only 17 years old. He's only 17 years old. And he's yes, he's a really good player. He's a really good player, but he's not Colby Barlow or Callum Ritchie. But he's a really good player. He is a good player. It's not a knock, but Barlow is a guy that you can trust on at 17. You can give that role to right away. I don't think you can give that. I think you're going to need time with Barkey. I think it's one of those things where you get after Christmas, and then you start to see him put the puck in the net. And unfortunately, when you have a slow start like that for multiple young guys, it's tough to do. And, I mean, obviously now with – them acquiring Del Monte, they expected a lot out of, but Del, Ryan Del Monte is a minus seven in three games. He has one point and it's an assist. That's not enough. And they're just not getting enough out of that. And London, another thing is about the London Knights. The London Knights have never really been 
a high goal scoring team. Yes, they have, but they've always been quote like textbook from the back out. They stress more goaltending defense than forwards, in my opinion. They always have a good top line. They always have a good top line, but they're always defensive. You when you look at their deadlines, they're gonna acquire defense. I mean, 2018-19, Kevin Hancock, Joey Keane, mm. right? And then you look at that defense, right? You go Adam Boquist, Alec Regula, Evan Bouchard, Joey Keane, right? That's a loaded defensive group. But when you do that, you have more holes up front. And, they, yeah, they're going to keep pucks out of the net. They have a good defensive core this year. But right now, no one can score for them. And it's going to come and go, but hey, one good weekend, you can get back into that. Unfortunately, though, for London and Kitchener, this week coming is a lot harder. It's a tough week for them coming up. I mean, London goes on Friday night. They play Mississauga Steelheads at home. That's a tough game. That's a very tough game. And then Sunday in Hamilton. That's going to be uncomfortable for London if Hamilton's going to come out with Florian Jack, Ryan Humphrey, um, Adrian Rebello, those guys want to come out and run around. That might be a long night for you. So that's a tough one. Um, then Kitchener goes Owen Sound Friday night at home at the odd. Owen Sound just had a bad weekend. They went 0-2 this week, past weekend. And then they host Flint Sunday afternoon at 2 o'clock, Kitchener. So Owen Sound and Flint for Kitchener. The road's hard. The road's hard. And... Right now, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to do the little things, and a lot of nights, you got to get into the dirty areas. Um, I noticed there's a lot of perimeter play there. I think you got to get in the d- dirty areas, and obviously, I was kind of disappointed with this trade in the off season because I thought he was gonna have a big year this year. And Liam Gilmartin, the trade to Erie, I thought Liam Gilmartin was gonna have a really big year this year just because they'd play him around the net and he plays on that role, kind of like how Tyler Boucher does in Ottawa, how he'll play on that role. You can put him around the net. Um, I think Max McHugh can do that, but he has one point in three games as a drafted player and an older player in the league. You need your older guys to step up, and they need to get more in the home plate area. In the interior of hockey league, you look when teams go through lows throughout the season in the goal-scoring category, they're not getting any shots from the home plate area, or they're not shooting. They're deferring. And next thing you know, the shots go down. They London played a really good game on Friday. They should have won that game against Sault Ste. Marie Greyhounds, but they didn't. And that's a situation there where it that's hockey, right? You're going to lose those. You're going to have run into a good goalie on one particular night and he's exactly. going to steal it for the other team. Yeah, exactly. So that's just one of those games, but yeah. Friday they played good enough to win, but Saturday against Erie wasn't good enough at all. And I just think that atmosphere in Erie was crazy. That was a tough place to play. That was a tough environment, but yeah, that not a good start for those teams. Not too much else to say. I over talk on it, but yeah, they wasn't a tough. It was a tough weekend, and I think this weekend gets even harder. But I thought Friday London could have won that game against Sault Ste. Marie. Um, Charlie Schenkel, um, OHL shutouts that's pretty cool for a shutout. Um, he won that game for them. That yeah, was great. Time. Yeah, that was incredible. London could have had four or five goals in that game, no problem. So then we're looking at okay, now they're in the middle of the pack, right? Mm-hmm. With those goals, but. It happens. That's hockey. And for both these teams, Kitchener and London, we know, we know these teams will go on a run throughout the year where they'll win three or four in a row. We know yeah. that. So a couple weekends, they're right back in it. And unfortunately, you just can't have too many winless weekends, or then it adds up. 
And yeah, that's a headache. Yeah, that's a saving grace for the London Knights and Kitchener Rangers. London's played three games. Kitchener's played four. Yeah, they haven't played a lot. So, 64 so, games to go if you're Kitchener, 65 to go if you're London. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, hey, it's like what Barry Trotz said, right? Um, turnovers like ex-wives, they just come up and give you headaches when you have too many. <laughs> so losses in October give you headaches at the end of the year, right? Yeah. So they, when they add up in October, it's not fun in March. So you might as well get them now. But, uh, yeah, on to the next game mentality right now for the London Knights. And if you're Kitchener, you just got to clean up the system. I think it's just a transition. I think it's just the transition here to the new coach. Mm-hmm. And there might be too much going on. We'll go to a little bit more positive news. Yeah. Um, Ottawa 67s undefeated. The only undefeated Ooh. team left uh, in the Ontario Hockey League. They're at the top of the Eastern Conference. Eight points, a perfect 4-0. and oh. 20 goals for 12 goals against. Playing rough, 54 penalty minutes in those four games. Well, they have some guys, Boucher, Pinelli, they yeah. have some guys. Yeah, big time. Uh, let's talk about Pinelli for a second. The, the start that he's had, you look at the hat trick um, that he got, the 67s then coming away with a big win this past weekend against the Kitchener Rangers uh, on home ice. Dave Cameron coaching in his 750th OHL game, which is a pretty cool milestone. Shout out to him. Um, so she's got everything going right right now for the Ottawa 67s. And this is the complete opposite of London and Kitchener. But these are the wins in October that Ottawa's going to look at possibly around world junior Last time night. if they lose some of their top guys. Hey, we're glad we we had a very good start to the year because we might we might lose some games uh into December and January. Yeah, big time. And this is the team that we talked about next year being a quality team. Obviously, there's some question marks. I, I doubt Tyler Bichet is back for an OA year, but yeah. That's a team that could host the Mem Cup next year, but this team's on a roll right now, and it's a big time. It's nice to get a start like this. Um, also, Friday night it was really cool. The Pinelli brothers facing off for the first time. A couple show guests, not a big deal. Yeah. So that was pretty cool to see that picture at center ice there pregame between Francesco and Luca. So that was interesting to see. Um, but yeah, the Ottawa 67s look really good right now, and they're winning games convincingly. It's not the prototypical one goal games. Um, they look good offensively right now. Their system looks good, and it's a success so far. You just got to keep it going. Um, this upcoming week is a tough week for them. Um, Friday night, they play in Oshawa, which is a tough one. Oshawa, big top line. They can play mm-hmm. tough as well. That could be a really good matchup. If you're in the Oshawa area Friday night, 735 at home in Oshawa, you should go to that game. That's going to be a really good hockey game. I highly suggest you go to that Um because it's going to be a good one. And then Sunday, they're at home to the Guelph Storm. That's And that's one where I think the Ottawa 67s, if they can win Friday night, they'll win Sunday. Because Saturday night, and Reese, you know all about this trip, that Guelph Storm are on the Eastern Conference trip this weekend. That's tough. Saturday night in Kingston, 7 o'clock, and then 2 o'clock in Ottawa. That's a tough that, – that Ottawa game, the 2 o'clock game in Ottawa after the Saturday night game in Kingston are always tough for the team to get up for. It's just so tough to get into that. The trip and then a two o'clock game. You're at the rink. You're at the rink for eleven o'clock, right? So those are tough. Eleven, twelve o'clock. Like that's tough to get up for those two o'clock games after a night game like that. At least you're doing it in the fall if you're Guelph. It's better than doing it in yeah. January to March. It's better than to do it now, but it's not a fun trip. And that's a tough back to back. So that's a game where the Ottawa 67s can win on Friday night in Oshawa. 
they I like their chances against Guelph just because Guelph's gonna have a tough time on that back to back with the goaltending situation right now if Grimes isn't back. Yeah. Yeah, and that that's an interesting topic we could talk about with the 67s. Mac De, Max Denoso has played all four games yeah. uh, for the Ottawa 67s well, so far. Um yeah. Goals against, he's given up 12 goals. That goes against averages 294. Save percentage just below 900 at 897. You know what? Um, it's obviously that's not going to stay the same. He will not play every game for the 67s, but uh, <laughs> he, he's, he, yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> uh, but, but he's been the answer to a lot of the success of the Ottawa 67, just how well he's playing. He's, he's already seen 116 shots in four games. Yeah, and you know, this is one of those situations, Reese, where you can kind of see this coming from Denoso. Last year when we saw him in Hamilton late in the year on the TSN game in February, Denoso made like 45 saves in that game. And it was yeah. like going into the third period, it was like 2 one The Bulldogs won that game like 5-2, but it was like 2-1 Ottawa going into the third period. And Denoso made like 45 saves in the game. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those games where you could see this coming and you're thinking, okay, next year, Next year, similar to Michael Simpson and Peterborough, next year, these got these are going to be the guys in the league to watch for. These are the goalies that are going to be really good. And right now, Denoso is taking that step. Obviously, some of the numbers aren't where you would like them. They either go up or go down, but good start. I like Denoso. I like both their goalies. Colin McKenzie was a good goaltender in Waterloo as well. I always liked him in his draft year. Um, that alliance year was so underrated. I mean, you look at some of those players in the league, McConnell Barker in the, for the, with London, Gavin. Gavin Bryant, Bo Jelsman going to Brantford. Like, there were some guys in that alliance. And uh, I really like Colin McKenzie, really caught my eye that year. So, uh, yeah, I like their goaltending situation in Ottawa. I think that's success. If you can have two guys that you can trust, that's big. Yeah, you talk about the Ham- Hamilton success last year, Costantini and Drawback. You get to know some yeah. McKenzie going 1A, playing like a 1A, 1B. They're going to they're gonna be at the top all year long. Yeah, last year, Denoso. Great year, 27 games played. Goals against average was under three at 2.82. Yeah. Save percentage was 9.0 or 0.906, I should say. 11 and nine, record not there, but um, clearly seventh wasn't giving up team. a whole lot of goals. Yeah, seventh uh, place team in the conference, too. Like, that's successful. Mm-hmm, that's sure. successful. Hey, um, they're still my surprise team. I still have the Ottawa 67s. Yeah. Ottawa's good. Whether or not you want to call it a surprise. But I still have them being that team that you look at and you're like, hmm, you thought they'd be better and improved, but I didn't think they'd be there. Uh, yeah, that's kind of where I'm team. at with them. Yeah, they're a really good hockey club. I, coming into the season, I thought from four to seven in the East. And now it looks, obviously, it's only two weeks into the season, but now it looks yeah. like I'm one to three in the East. Like they look pretty good. So uh, props to them. And the one thing is about Dave Cameron, you know, it's it can be a tough situation for him. To- do the one a one b thing you know he doesn't like when the goalie's hot he'll ride him out so it might be a denoso thing until he dropped the ball um but yeah dave cameron very uh hands-on coach um very good one in that as well but that might be that situation where they're just gonna ride the wave here with denoso and let him ride it out and this weekend right with the day off on saturday he'll probably play both as well yeah more than likely uh, 67s, the, all their goals this season. Ten guys have goals Whew. for the 67s uh, through their first four games. So that's big. That's big to get, especially to see the rookie score early, too. It's nice to see. And then also Luca Pinelli, right? A returning guy. It's nice to see those guys come in and score right away, mm-hmm. too. That's big. Learn a lot from your first year. Also, think about that goaltending match on Friday night. Lever Denoso. I get excited for that. Pretty sweet, eh? 
that's exciting. The Eastern Conference has some good goalies in there. Obviously, the West has some good ones too. Goudreau, Brochu, Shinard. There's some guys in the West. Anushka, there's some guys over there. But the East as well. I mean, Costantini, Drawback, 1A, 1B in Hamilton as of now. Obviously, there's going to be some change there with the OA situation. But they have some guys. Um, Lever, I think Simpson's underrated in Peterborough. I, on, remember last year in the playoffs, we kept saying this game's like 10 nothing if it's yeah, nothing. Simpson's gonna steal this game for them. Yeah, like I like Michael Simpson's ability to steal games and make those big saves. Um, Denoso in Ottawa, Lever in Oshawa, like there's some guys in the Eastern Conference, Ranger in Sudbury. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some guys, Kingston's got a good one, Mississauga's a good one. Like, there's some good goaltending in both sides right now, and uh. I think the goals are going to be down this year compared to last year on the OHL, just because the goaltending and the defense, of course, on most of these teams look very good. Let's say we look how good Hamilton's D is. We talk, talked about London. They haven't even given up 10 goals yet, obviously three games, but they've well, looked very solid defensively. Like well, it's just, London, it's, it's taking that men, mentality of you have good goaltending. All right. What, what's our D look like? Okay. We have guys that can block shots on the penalty kill. We have guys that can, um, you know, start a really good breakout and get us an offensive scoring chance. Okay, good. Um, and who's going to finish off that breakout and put the puck in the back of the net? Who's going to, you know, be able to cross the blue line with the oh, puck yeah. and be able to set up on the power play? It's, it's, it, you got to go out. And that seems cool. to be the way that it's going right now. That's not saying that's how Hamilton did it to win, but you don't have their defense. Uh, it's a tough series against the Windsor Spitfires, I'd have to say. Um, cool. So, well, the Knights decor, the Knights decor is pretty good. I mean, you got Montgomery Bonk, drafted players. You have Sam Dickinson. Who's Will be a drafted be player in two years. Yeah, a high drafted player. Connor Federkow, St. Catherine's native. Quality OHL player. You have Jackson Edward, Ethan McKinnon. That's a decent decor. That's mm-hmm. a decent decor in the Ontario Hockey League. They'll get it. They just got to get it going offensively, but that's a good decor there. So solid team, solid defensive core there. But there's some very, and that's the right now the last place team in the league. If you want, if the goal four is the tiebreaker, mm-hmm. that's a good decor. So that's something to look out for. And also, speaking of defenseman reach, I just want to mention something that caught my eye on the weekend. And I, this is bugging me because last year I loved this player. <laughs> and I don't know why I didn't take him for defenseman of the year because I was all over him last year. Pavel Mintikov and Saginaw, 12 points in five games right now. And I remember when he got drafted by Anaheim, and there was some talks on Twitter and stuff, and obviously Twitter's for fighting. Anyone that goes on Twitter to comment about sports is just looking for a fight, it feels like. Nowadays. <laughs> so that's that situation. But he should have – like. He's looking like a top 10 pick right now, and he should have went in the top 10. Very good player. Last year when I saw him play, I saw him play like five times last year, and every time I saw him play, he was getting the defensive end, and he contributed offensively. Obviously, as a defenseman, you got to be getting your own end. That's the main priority. But when you can go out and you can go contribute offensively like this, I mean, 12 points in five games as a defenseman, he's leading the OHL in points right now. Like, that's a guy that is going to be defenseman of the year. That's a lot of success right there. And uh, pa- I just want to mention that about Pavel Mintikov as we were on the defensive topic. Yeah. But what a player he is. And don't sleep on Saginaw. Good power play. Um, they got all their veterans on the power play, right? So, uh, yeah, people shouldn't sleep on Saginaw because that's a very good team. Yeah. Can't forget about 15-year-old Michael Misa. Oh, he's looked good. 
he's looked good. He's had some rust there, but to be expected. Yeah. Um, there was a pa- in the Sudbury game. There was a power play pass where he almost gave up a short. He gave up a shorthanded breakaway, bailed out by Tristan Lennox, who's looked good this year so far. Good goaltending there in Saginaw, Lennox and Oak, but. He's um that one play Misa would want back. It's one of those where you could see the look on his face when he made the pass. And it's like, oh no. Oh crap. When you're yeah. sick to your stomach, right? Because hey, you're gonna have a turnover, Michael. If you're listening to the yeah. show, you're gonna have a turnover. You're 15 years old, man. You're gonna have a turnover. And uh it, hate to say it, but it could be the first of many. You're a good hockey player, yeah. though. It's gonna but, happen. Uh, it's gonna happen. Sidney Crosby turns the puck over. Very true. <laughs> yeah, he does. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. And uh yeah, just keep playing your game because what what a player he is. And uh, you could see him get sick, a little sick to his stomach there when he made that pass and there was nobody there and it bounces off the blue line, squirts out. And I think it was Goyette went down on a breakaway for Sudbury, but he's bailed out by Tristan Lennox. But it's going to happen. Everyone has those mistakes. Your goaltender is there to bail you out for a reason. Yeah. It's a team game. For sure. Oh, and then I had one more question before we go on to the break. The Erie Otters home opener. We talk about the shirts. Yes, the yeah. shirts. Oh, my. let's let's rope. Uh, that... Let's let's rope London sweater into this. Yes, let let's talk about them both. We'll start with the Erie. As we Otters. talk about how dumb people are on Twitter. Very true. <laughs> um, we'll start with the Erie Otters. The T-shirts, obviously, Blue Jay Sweet Caroline yep. going. Yeah, Blue Jay fan. We saw that at the at the Bulldogs. Yeah, game. I was very upset oh, on Saturday evening. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was funny. <laughs> I was um, very upset. Because the Toronto Blue Jays won the same amount of playoff games as the Detroit Tigers. So hey, we sold more beer though. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you sold more beer. You probably made more two profits because we played cost, two games. Yeah, but it costs twenty five dollars more in Very Toronto true. than in Detroit. So hey, but all we need to do is you sell have more one profits beer. for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so Erie Otters hosted London Knights. Uh, everybody has seen what they do and they play sweet Caroline inside the Erie insurance arena. Uh, you hear London sucks instead of bump bump. So they made a t-shirt off of that. Um, Colin, have oh, you nice. ordered yours yet? No, but I want to, I want yeah, to. Yeah, So do I, I feel like I, that's hilarious. I'm, I'm just waiting for hoping knocking on wood that there's an Erie otters member of the Erie otters listening to the show. Cause I know we get a few fair amount of Erie listeners. You know, you want to send a couple this way. Let's do it. Um, we'll send something back. We'll make a trade. We'll make a trade. We have yeah. nice t-shirts. So we have very nice true t-shirts. There's some spare jackets here. We can make a trade. We can make a trade. You got a stash of jackets in your room? Oh, there's only one actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> but all right. We can. One we can make two. a trade. There you go. Yeah. We can make a trade. Sure. Two's are nice. Two's are nice. Yeah, they are. But, yeah, you send two T-shirts like that just for the keep's sake, and uh, we'll send you a couple of uh, OHL and 60 items for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Or, or maybe with the Otters, now with the connection with the Bulldogs, maybe when the Otters come to Hamilton, you want to make the trip, we'll hook you up. Well, I'll do it personally if you need to. But <laughs> we can hook you up. We can make the trade in person if you want. But, yeah. Yeah, so so the Erie Otters had those shirts, and then the London Knights had London versus everybody sweaters. Good timing. Sweaters. Um, By the way, to the dude that thought it was a smart idea. The London Knights (laughs) with the response of the year. Why these colors? Why can't you make them other colors? Why why couldn't it be? Why does it always have to be green and and, uh, gray or green and black or white and green? It's like, what's our jersey color? 
the London Knights are green and black. And that's red. why that's why I'm not a fan of Twitter right now. A lot of people on there that are baffling me. Yeah. They are the team colors. Yeah. Um, they're not gonna make uh black and gold ones. They're not gonna make red and white ones. The London Knights response was priceless. The yeah, that Knights, was awesome. Lo- honestly, <laughs> and I know there's a few admits that social media who run social media around the Ontario hockey that listen to the show. I love right now when teams are chiming back with fans, especially from other teams. I think it's hilarious. <laughs> I think it's hilarious to be honest. Like it's pretty funny when you see some fans that are commenting like that red and white or blue and white, something bizarre. And then all of a sudden you see a lot of nice respond. Did you want it to be like red and white? You heard these are <laughs> colors. It was something along those lines. It was awesome. Yeah. It was a good response. And, uh, yeah, yeah if they did sell them that way. I don't know what Knights fan would want it. It's like it's not team colors. That'd be stupid. Yeah. Well, hey, at least it's not those purple and turquoise things. All oh, those spider jerseys, uh, those spider night jerseys. Retired oh, I hate those jerseys. Those things Horrible. should be retired. They're not even in the Raptors retired. Just I think we're the only throw ones. Throw those that in think the dumpster out back. Throw those in the dumpster out back at Budweiser Gardens and don't ever look at those things again. Don't even think about it. They belong with the Toronto Rock banners inside First Ontario Center. Oh, out of the way. (laughs) Yeah, those things are up. Like Those things are like above the catwalk right now. Yeah, Yeah, it's above uh, what's on the catwalk. Yeah, I think, uh, Colin, I think we're the only ones that don't like those Spider Night jerseys. I see a lot of people that like them, but I'm like, no, you can't do it. It doesn't even look like a hockey jersey. No, it looks like I mean, something... those print ones don't, especially jerseys. I like that they do that, but they're printed they're on, they're not you stitched, which like that's Print a lot of money to have fun. them stitched. But at the same time, it just the printed isn't, I don't know, great. I like those throwback nights jerseys they had a couple years ago. The old, the throwback, the green, gold, yeah, I With like the, like old, old knight's head, yes, yes. Yeah. I liked those ones, but I don't like, I don't get the turquoise with the Spider-Man logo. I don't get that. Yeah. It's a knight, not Spider-Man. <laughs> like, no, it's you know? actually, it's a, not spider, the, it's a spider knight, Colin. Oh, okay. <laughs> what's, a, what's the difference? What's the difference between a spider knight? Someone tell me this, tweet me this one. What's the difference between a spider knight and a knight? I honestly don't know the difference. Maybe we'll have to look that up for the final segment, but <laughs> those jerseys should not come back. I'm not a fan of those. And yeah, I made it pretty clear. We got to clip that clip, throw those in the dumpster at Budweiser guys and don't even think about them again, because I'm sure. Hey, I wonder what Brad thinks of this. Brad, I know you're listening. Let us know. Let us know. <laughs> let us know what you think of those jerseys. Because First, he'll let us know what he thinks of the Jays, and then he'll tell us about the jerseys. Very true. Yeah. Oh, it's so funny. After the Toronto team gets beat out, we got to fire this guy. We got to get rid of that guy. We got to get rid of this guy. And then like three years later, Kyle Dubas is still the GM of the Toronto Maple please. It's so funny. Hey, man, <laughs> Austin year. Matthews threw out the ceremonial first pitch. That's hey, all I got to say. Hey, you know what I think of that situation. You know what I think of that situation. As I told you about 15 times, I think, after they lost pregame before the game on Saturday evening, we had the Jays game on in the press box. Where he said, you know what I think of that situation. That was the curse right there. That was the pass. Was but, awesome. Yeah, tough situation I, I there. It. Oh yeah, that was wild. Uh, but, but I just love the reactions of Toronto fans after their team gets beat out. It's hilarious. Fire this guy, fire that guy. And then three years later, everybody's still there. Yeah. Yeah, the decisions aren't great. I wouldn't make those decisions with the what they did. They overpaid for starting rotation. I, I always enjoy the fan. I saw a fan on Global News after the game, and because 
obviously well, you, got, you got to interview people leaving the game. It's hilarious. The guy, the guy goes, I'm never coming to another game. This is terrible. This is the worst choke of all time. I go, Hey, no, it's not. Um, yeah. But I found that funny. Sucks. Yeah. Right. You're not going to go to another game. Okay, sure. Well, bandwagon. That's a bandwagon. Big time. Probably just do the Jays Jersey on for the weekend. You know that all about Toronto. Yeah. You know, especially the Jays, the Jays, there's a lot of bandwagon. That, the Maple Leafs either love them or you hate them, but the Jays, the Jays, there's a lot of bandwagoners there, man. Like, oh, it's bad. the it's the thing right now, so I'm gonna do that. Exactly, yeah. exactly. And they probably like you ask him what number Vladdy wears. That's my classic line of the Jays game. Ask a ask a fan what numbers Vladdy. It's crazy, and you it's know what's wild. hilarious? The amount of times fans could avoid saying the wrong answer, they could easily just turn to their left and look at someone's shirt or jersey because you know there's yeah. gonna be at least five people with a Vladdy shirt or jersey on. Yeah, in your it's area. Bad. Yeah, I can I can't believe that, but that's the go-to question for bandwagoners. Yeah. I'm gonna and, ask that next time I go to a Jays game. Do it. Home do opener. It. I guarantee you they the will home say opener when the Detroit Tigers are there. I'm saying that. Do it. Yeah, there will be some bandwagoners there for that. A lot of free corporate tickets for that one. Yeah. Home opener, a lot of corporate seats, especially down low. So that'll be some fun. That'll yeah. be some fun. All right. It is time for a break. When we come back, if you guys have made NHL opening night lineups we will discuss that and who are you most excited to watch make their nhl debut that is next here on the ohl and 60 podcast Welcome back to the OHL and 60 podcast. I'm Reese Demaney along with Colin Ward. Final segment of the show before we wrap things up. Uh, just a heads up to everyone. No featured game this week. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on um, yeah. behind the mic. So this might be tough to get to a featured game uh, this the week. Situation so. too. Yeah, uh, no featured game this week in case you're waiting for that. But it is a fun segment to finish off this week's show. Uh, the NHL starts this week. I don't know if anybody cheers yeah, yeah. or gets excited for yeah. it because the OHL is better. But, uh, OHL with the occasional baseball conversation like we just had. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. For sure. MLB playoffs are going on. So. Join us. Yeah, exactly. But, uh, yeah, that means more debuts for former OHLers. We've got a list of about five, I think, Colin. We're just going to quickly discuss who are who we're most excited yeah, to Yeah, some watch. notables. Um, this season, number one, I watched the video on Monday. Marco Rossi made the Minnesota Wild, uh, so that's pretty big. Always been a fan of his. Um, yeah. Of course, you got Shane Wright in Seattle making the Kraken, fourth overall pick from this past year's NHL entry draft. Wyatt Johnston with the Dallas Stars. Um, one of the best. Yeah, that's all I'm going to leave it at. Um, we got the man, Arbor Jackeye <sighs> with the Montreal Canadiens. I tell you, we're excited Montreal for that is one. going to love him. Yeah, I legit like. Who's the fifth? Let's name the fifth one Mason, first before Mason we go McTavish. in. McTavish, right. Yeah, there you go. How did so, I forget that? Mason McTavish, wait, Anaheim Ducks. Brant Clark. Brant Clark, Clark, six. Yeah. That was the six notables that we had. Yeah. That we just, were... just like the Wings last night. I thought we had five, but turns out we got six. So <laughs> Yeah. Or on Saturday night, I guess. Oh, good. Say, but, yeah. 
Yeah, six out of the six, Wardy. One guy. One guy you will definitely watch his debut unless it's at 10 o'clock on the West Coast. Well, Mason McTavish McTavish is going to have the most success, I think, out of this group. I think so, too. Yeah, But the biggest, the guy that's going to pop right away, Arbor Jacka. The sheriff. Oh, the X-Man. Yeah, the sheriff. Dr. X. I quit reading. Duffy said close the Close the door on the saloon. Yeah. And then game winner against Mississauga last year in the second round. But that Arbor Jack, he's in the biggest market. Well, that's one. And he faces he faces one of the biggest markets in the opener, the Toronto Maple yeah. Leafs. Overrated, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you right now, it is going to be incredible to watch Arbor Jack I play. I'm not gonna love it on Friday night when he plays the Detroit Red Wings, but I won't be watching because the OHL's on. But what what a player he's going to be. You're going to hate playing against him, but you're going to love to watch him play if you cheer for Montreal. What a player he's going to be. Um, he has He's in the market. He fits Montreal to a T. He fits Montreal to a T. And I can't wait to hear his name get announced in Montreal at the Bell Center in front of 20,000. That's going to give you chills. You need Aaron Walsh to do it. He's the best one that says Jack. Eye. It's not even close. Very true. Very true. But you know how popular he's going to be in Montreal when he plays his game like he has in the preseason when he goes after Michael Bunting like he did in the preseason (laughs) that's what he's going to do and he calls the guy a loser or whatever on Ottawa (laughs) like that's what he's going to do and Toronto fans are going to be all over him on Wednesday night or whenever they play they're going to be all over they're going to be all over him but it's going to be funny because Arby Jacki doesn't give a crap what they think of him (laughs) they he does not give a care the first time I saw him in Hamilton last year when he got traded, I see this guy with the flow, you know, kind of a chip tooth, got the shorts on, cut shorts, got the tattoo on the leg, and it's Arbor Jack guy and walks out. And then when you go, so when you walk to the media entrance in Hamilton, you come out beside the Hamilton Bulldogs dressing room, then you go in the media room, and then to get to the escalator or the elevators to go up to the press box. You go out and the Bulldogs have their warm-up area down there in the corner. And if you're a Bulldogs fan, you can hear that music coming from the corner. So Arbor Jacki comes through the swinging doors and just they come flying open. And all you hear is, I'm here. <laughs> and it was Arbor Jacki. But Arbor Jacki is a very, he, he's a very good player. I enjoy it. I'm going to miss him in Hamilton. I can tell you that right now. Uh, what a fun player to watch. I mean, hey, we got Florian. We got Florian, though, but. I'm very excited to see what he can do in the National Hockey League because what a story. He was working at Costco during the pandemic. And good story. Um, And, yeah, very exciting to see him in Montreal. And he's going to be a very good hockey player this season. And if if you have a little bit of bet, obviously we shouldn't be mentioning this, but if you do, he's a guy that could be in the Calder conversation with how good he's going to be because he will put up points. He's too big and strong. He's going to bully guys in the NHL. Yeah. Yeah, uh, Wardy, I, I like that pick for me. I got to go Mason McTavish. Uh, yeah. I got to see what King. that shot is in the NHL. Like, it's, it's, we saw it firsthand in the Ontario Hockey League in specific. I think it was game five. Uh, he sniped uh, top shelf glove side, and you just heard the ping of the crossbar. Nope. It went bar south, in the words of Reed Duffy. <laughs> um, it, it was just a shot. And then, you just look at his overall game, Mason McTavish. Like we talked about, he was not—he was one of the best, if not the best player in the Canadian Hockey League last year, just the way he carried himself on the ice, the way he played uh, in both ends, um, his ability to score, make plays. Um, I'm excited to see that in Anaheim. 
small sure. glimpse of hope we could see him in the hammer again, but it's <laughs> probably ninety nine point nine percent chance. Never before Anaheim Duck for remember, all eighty two games. Well, remember opening night, you hear the rumors about how Hamilton's talked to Anaheim about Mason McTavish. Well, yeah, they can talk. I was going to say, yeah. Windsor's communicating with Dallas right now about Wyatt Johnston. I mean, they all they all communicate. They all communicate, but it's probably a dream, a Hail Mary right now, and you're backed up on your own 10. you got to go 90 yards to the touchdown. Yeah, it's sure. a ways away, but it would be exciting, though, that's for sure, especially now with us joining Hamilton. It would be exciting to see Mason uh, McTavish every home game again. Oh that was a God. treat last year. That 0.1% glimmer <laughs> of hope. Hey, if that happens, if if that were to happen, I would buy a lottery ticket for sure. Oh, yeah. I only buy lottery tickets when there's luck. So when the Wings win a game. Not um, even if Blue it's because it's 70 million. No, because the chances of winning, I have a better well, chance of getting yeah. struck by lightning. True. Yeah. <laughs> so that's why. Good but legit, like, with the Denver Broncos win a game, I would buy a lottery ticket. That's very rare. That's like saying the sky might The Detroit Lions tomorrow. making the playoffs. Like, that's Got to win a game. Yeah. They got to score yeah. a point. Well, they, they score a lot. They just don't. They got shut out against yeah. New England. What do you mean? <laughs> I know, but they were the highest scoring offense coming yeah. into that game in the NFL. Yeah. They're just the worst defense in the NFL, which is that that's <laughs> yeah, got the Detroit Lions written all over it. But yeah. All right, Mr. Ward. That is it Someone. for this show. Um, lots more action coming up. Um, just getting started. Pretty sure it's, it's fun gonna be a week. really good year. Um, for everyone out there, thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, again, for Colin Ward, I'm Reese Demaney. Thank you so much. We will chat again in seven days.